Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ask the Coach Show, episode 58, where we answer your table tennis questions. In today's episode, we discuss if table tennis needs to be faster, Zhangji Kerr's footwork, whether practice can be fun, and how to serve with long pimples, and also how you can learn a pendulum serve. All right, as always, here is Alois Rosario, super coach, to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Hi, good morning, Jeff. How are you this morning? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Um, it's going to be another great show. Always exciting questions. Thanks to all the viewers for asking these interesting questions. Yeah, yeah, it, it has been good, and uh, we've got another um, question from Brock this morning, and he's asked that uh, through the Google Hangouts uh, page as well. So, yes, which we always like to do, have live viewers on the show asking questions. All right, so. Um, Firstly, though, Alice, Ping Skiller's question of the day um, from yesterday was, should table tennis copy other sports and go to a reduced format like 2020 cricket and fast four tennis? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, think, I think table tennis actually is the right length now with the games up to 11. Um, I don't think that they need to change the actual format of the game. Perhaps the presentation can get um, even better. I know that they're starting to make some really good inroads into the presentation of uh, table tennis, you know, the introductions and um, and the lighting and that sort of thing. So I think just the presentation can get better. I, I think the game is great, you know, as it is. You know, game's up to 11, a um, couple of... Two serves each. It moves fast. Uh, I think I think it's pretty good. Um, you know, fast four tennis. Um, they've got a few rule modifications with that. So with that, they play on from a let. I don't think that's required in table tennis. I think you know it's um, doesn't happen that often. Um, they also um, uh, play games uh, sets up to four games, and also if it's juiced, then they just play one point. From there, so you know, table tennis I think is 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 interesting. You know, if the score gets to ten all, I think it's interesting to, to keep going to twelve or thirteen or fourteen or fifteen or whatever it is, and I think the game becomes tense then. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think leave it as it is. Yeah, I actually like the games up to twenty one. So I think games up to eleven are definitely fast enough um, and exciting enough. So I agree with you, Alice, on this one. Leave the game alone. All right. So that moves us on to the ping skillers question um, for today, which is: Who do you think will be number one in the world at the end of two thousand and fifteen in the men's and the women's? Now that's a good question, Alice. I like this one. So everybody, leave your comments in, in, alongside this episode. Um, you can do that on our YouTube channel. You can go to um, thingskills.com, click on the blog link, and you'll find this episode. Be interested to hear your thoughts. Okay, so here's the question you were talking about, Alois, from Brock, who said, if you must choose an opponent that you would want to meet, who would it be? Yeah, so um, so Brock's asked a few questions there, and probably uh, this question and the next question um, would be uh, the same question, and that is Janove Boldner. So he's also asked who's the best table tennis player of all time. So that's the player that I'd like to meet. That's the best player of all time. 
Yes. Um, yeah, I was a big Yarnova Voldner fan as well, Alloy, so I'd definitely like to meet him. Of the current generation, um, yeah, I kind of like any of the top Chinese, you know, Ma Long, Zhang Zikur, perhaps, even Wang Hao, then even is retired now. Um, but, yeah, those players have just brought the table tennis to a whole new level, so I'd, I'd like to meet one of those as well. Um, and, yeah, so who is the best table tennis player of all time? Yeah, I think, yeah, I'd still probably go with you on Jan Overvolder, just because he lasted such a long time and... and I think they used to call him Evergreen because even as more Chinese players would come along, he'd still continue to be at the top of his game and top of the world. So I'd go with him. And uh, then the next question from Brock, another quick one, Alois, is how often did you guys play table tennis when you were a rookie? Yeah, so I um, initially it was only a couple of times a week when I first started. Um, lived fairly far away from my training venue. I used to have to catch a train for about 40 minutes and to get down there. So, yeah, initially uh, not very often, but as I started to get a little bit more serious about it, it was it became probably four times a week. And then when we were playing um, seriously, we used to train six days a week. So, uh, yep. So, you know, it, it increases as your, as your uh, level... Um, increases or the time available increases to you as well. Yeah, so I remember when I first joined a club and sort of started playing, they would have a competition on a Friday night and it was a handicap competition. So um, if you played against a better player, you'd get start and if you played against a weaker player, you'd give them a start. And I remember during school, I'd always wait for the Friday and when Friday came, I'd get really excited because uh, we could go down and play the competition. And they had that on like a Friday and a Sunday. So I kind of started playing just those two competitions. And um, yeah, exactly like you, Alois, as I got more serious, I started to train a little bit more a few days a week. And then, yeah, when we got really serious, yeah, we were doing the six days a week. Um, yeah, so thanks for the questions, Brock. Okay, the next question is from Kalen. And Kalen is asking about the pendulum service. When um, they try to practice this service, they usually hit it into the net and they want to know how exactly not to hit it into the net or the judge calls a let. Am I supposed to draw back when I'm serving, so move further away from the table, or is there a better way? Yeah, so, Caelan, um, this is a really common um, problem when players are starting to do the pendulum serve. The key is to hit the ball closer to you on your side of the tables, hit the ball straight down into your um, end of the table. So probably only about that far away from the end in that sort of zone um, is best and hit the ball from a little bit higher so if you hit the ball from higher and straight down into the table then the ball will bounce a little bit more and get over the net. Um, a lot of players hit the ball out too close to the net and that results in the ball not having enough time to, to take off so it's sort of landing here close to the net and then it hasn't got time to go up and get over the net whereas if it lands here and it's got a bit more time to get up and over the net there. So, yeah, so that's the main thing, Caelan. Um, just try to get the ball um, closer to you, to bounce closer to you on your side, and just hit it from a little bit higher as well. Okay, yeah, good advice there, Alice. Now, when you're coaching people, do they tend to know when you talk about this where their ball's bouncing immediately, or they're not really paying attention to that to start with? And is that something they should focus on? 
Yeah, it's um, it's something that I mean, when you when you're starting to learn to serve, there's so many other things that you are trying to focus on. You know, the contact and your action and all that sort of thing. So it is um, a little bit difficult. I think first up, just get the contact right. You know, make sure you're doing those sort of things correctly, and then you can start to see where the ball's bouncing. Is it going on, or do you need to make some adjustments with that as well? Okay, excellent. All right. So um, hopefully that advice helps you out, Caitlin. Give that a go. Focus on where the ball's bouncing on your side of the table and try and make it closer to you, and I think that will help you out. All right, so um, Jaden has just jumped on Alloys and asked a question. Thanks, Jaden. He says, does height affect gameplay in table tennis? Um, it tends to affect sometimes just the way that you play, perhaps, slightly, um, but you can be a really good player at whatever height you are. Um, I think we had a question yesterday um, that was fairly similar. So, you know, we've had world champions that have been over six foot and we've had world champions that have been just over five foot. So um, you really can be any height to be good at this game. The taller players tend to use their reach a bit more, um, not so much the footwork. They'll tend to use their... Um, two wings, the backhand and forehand, um, whereas the shorter players will tend to move a lot more and be a little bit more dynamic with their movement and strokes. So, yep, but it's just um, diff slightly different ways um, and you can reach a really high level at whatever height you are. Great. So thanks, Jay. Yes, thank you. All right, so the next question is from Arna, who says... In an old match from 2011 between Ma Long and Zhang Zikhe, if we leave everything else and just focus on Zhang Zikhe's feet, I am mesmerised as to what level he has taken his footwork to. China excel in it. Are we missing some technical information here? Yeah. So, um, so he's also put a, a link in his in his uh, full question. He's put a link to that video, so we might actually put a link on that as well. And it is really amazing the the footwork of the Chinese players now. Um, just the speed of their movement is ridiculous. A uh, couple of things. One is that they just train a lot more. Um, their legs become so much stronger. Their movement becomes more efficient. Um, but technically, I don't think they're doing anything differently. It's just that they're doing it better because of the amount of practice that they've had. So it's the it's the two two legs, you know, jumping from here to there, staying really low with their legs when they're playing. So you know, if you if your legs aren't strong enough, or if you haven't practiced enough, you tend to stand really upright when you're playing. Um, you'll see the Chinese players are really down low, utilizing the the muscles in their legs. Um, for that move, for that explosive movement. So I don't think it's anything technical. I think it's just how well and how much those guys are practicing. It's just fantastic. Yes, and it is worth watching. So after the show, make sure you check out our show notes and have a look at the video that Arnab is talking about. It certainly is mesmerizing. All right, um, another question from Arnab is, some coaches don't like their players fooling around and do a lot of experimenting while they're playing or practicing. So is it necessary to always practice hard with serious determination and hard work, or wouldn't it hurt to have some fun? Um, yeah, good question, Arnab. You know, it, it, there needs to be a balance. Um, I think, you know, there are two things that you can do. There, there, there 
if you've got a real focus about something that you're training, um, it's important to really put your mind to it, really concentrate, um, go out there and give everything during that training session. But there is also opportunity to experiment during that training as well. So, um, you know, sometimes you might want to an experiment with some side spin or back spin or, or do something different. And that's great, you know, but also make sure that when you are training properly, that your focus is great. You know, the, the, the focus um, is so important when you're training. If you're only there and you're just mucking around all the time, then you just won't get the level of, practice, of improvement that you, that you should. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think as you develop that focus and you really concentrate on, on learning skills, that itself becomes enjoyable. It, it, yeah, it really is. That's right. I mean, just you know, walking off uh, after a training session when you know that you've focused so well and tr tried so hard and trained so hard, um, and you're really tired. That does it does become enjoyable. So um, yeah, it's just different different types of enjoyment. Yeah, but uh, thanks for the question, Anna. Really interesting one. All right, Jaden's jumped back on and asked another question for us, Alois, and he says, "My friend says." that if you angle your bat at 45 degrees when you smash, the ball will land on more often. This tactic seems to have worked for me, so is it true or is it false? Okay, yeah, so with the smashing, so the important thing is if you're trying to get that ball fast is to have a nice flat contact on it. If you've got a flat contact on it, then um, the ball will go a little bit faster because it's flatter. Um, Angling your racket, so it, it all depends on where your angle, where your racket really is. So if you angle the racket like that and smash down, um, you're going to tend to um, hit, drag the ball into the net. Um, you know, I mean, again, depending on the height of the ball and and uh, and when you're hitting it as well. So experiment a little bit for yourself there, uh, Jaden. Just see um, if you can. You've obviously found some an angle that works well for you. Um, so yeah, just keep keep going with that. But uh, for other players, just experiment with the angle. If the ball's flying off the end of the table, then you need to turn it down. If the ball's going into the net, then you need to turn it up slightly. Yeah. So I guess rather than have a rule in your head, you should just be focusing on the ball and where it is, and then adjusting to that. Would that make sense? Yeah. That's that sounds that sounds really really good there, Jeff. Okay, all right. Well, hopefully that helps uh, answer your question, Jaden. All right, the next one is from Sadar, who says, I use Yusaka Phantom 009 on my backhand. I learned many serves from your helpful videos. Thank you. Can you show and teach me some serves with this kind of rubber? Okay, so I haven't got um, Phantom, but I've got a, a sheet of long pimples here. So if you are serving with the long pimples, you're going to find that you're not going to be able to generate much spin. So it's okay as a surprise serve um, just every now and then, but pretty soon your opponent will understand that when you serve with the long pimples, you're not going to be able to generate much spin and they're going to be able to attack, um, attack you a little bit easier. So as a surprise serve, that's fine. You can use the long pimples and it doesn't really matter what type of serve you use. You can um, you can play a flat serve, or you can you can have the motion of having a really heavy serve, but the ball still won't have much spin on it. So if you can make it similar to your other serves with your um, inverted rubber, 
uh, it does lead to a little bit of deception and um, a little bit of doubt in the, the opponent's mind as well. So, so yeah, give it a go um, and try different serves, but remember, don't use it too often because uh, your opponent will start to work it out that, hey, he's not getting any spin, I can attack this. Okay, indeed. All right, so Siddharth, yeah, try your normal serves just as a surprise tactic with the with the Phantom, um, but generally stick to using your normal rubber to get a more spin and variation on your serves. Okay, um, Brock's just jumped in and asked one more question, Alice. He says, what angle is the chop to generate spin? Yeah, so... Um to generate spin, basically, if, here's here's the ball, and if you look at it as a as a flat surface, um, as a clock face, if that's twelve, this is six down here. So at six is roughly where we want to contact the ball to generate the spin. From there, the ball is going to start to spin um, spin around better. Um, so basically, that's that's what you need to be doing: hitting the ball as close to six as you can on the, on the clock face, um, and you'll be able to generate some backspin. Um, we've got a lesson on this um, learning to spin, and we've just got a new lesson up that you'll that you will find uh, really interesting. So uh, uh, we'll put a link um, in the show notes, and you'll be able to go there and have a look at that. And uh, I think you'll get some really useful useful information out of that. Yeah, and it's always a complicated part of the game, isn't it? Because I guess. On the serve, it's easiest to explain because you're just throwing the ball up and it doesn't already have spin. But if your ball's already got spin, then you need to take that into consideration and there's so many sort of variables. It sounds complicated to start with, but once you know the basics, I guess, it simplifies things and then you understand how to get that ball spinning backwards if that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really fun thing to start to learn. Um, and, um, and so it opens up a whole new area of the game. So, yeah, give it, give it a go. Take a look at that uh, lesson uh, on learning to spin, and um, I'm sure you'll, you'll get something out of it. Great. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for your questions, and thanks, everyone, for watching. Make sure you go to pingskills.com, check out our website, sign up for our free newsletter, lots of information to help you out there. And um, thank you, Alois. Yep, thanks, Jeff, and have a great day, Ping Skillers. See you all tomorrow. Bye.